It is such a joy to be with you in worship this morning. Bless the Lord. He is good. Amen. Amen. I bring you greetings from Anderson University. I have the privilege of teaching youth ministry and missions there. And I also bring you greetings from Mosaic Church of Anderson, a multi-ethnic church that I have the privilege of planting and pastoring in Anderson County. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I have many friends who are associated with this church, and I, I hesitate to mention all of them because I know I'm going to leave one of them out. And so this church has been dear to me. I was able to talk to your singles group and preach with them last year and had a great time fellowshipping with them. Uh, I've also noticed you from afar over the years and seeing how God has used you as a congregation to make a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. So I want you to know that you have many people who look to you as a church that is a leader in our convention, a leader in our state, and I believe that the best years of Taylor's First Baptist are yet to come. I'm excited about what God is doing in this church. I'm excited about what he will do. And the reason why I'm excited is because you have a staff, a group of pastors and church members who are seeking his will, seeking his face, and seeking what he would have you do to advance the kingdom for his glory and for our joy. So I want you to know, I feel a great privilege to be in this pulpit this morning. I'm a preacher who likes to tell people what I expect of you before I start preaching. And so I'm going to do that. For some of you, I'm going to ask you to start running a race that you've never run in your life before. I'm going to ask you to run a race in following Christ Jesus. For some of you, I'm going to ask you to get real and honest with yourself and to ask yourself, am I really a runner? And I really someone who is in the race, who is genuine and authentic, and who's really running hard after Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you that question. For some of you, you're running the race and, and you would say maybe the pace is slowed down. Maybe your focus is off a little bit. I'm going to ask you if that's you, if you need to refocus and increase your pace. For some of you, I'm going to ask you, how are you disciplining yourself to run the race? How are you preparing yourself to run the race? How are you treating the race in your life? Does it seem like a real race or is it something that's kind of haphazard? I'm going to ask you to respond to that question. Those are four questions that I'm going to be asking you this morning as we talk about two races. And the question I have, which is the title of this message, is what race are you running? Well, you ask the question, what is the race? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 24 through 27, and we'll hear what the Apostle Paul has to say about two very distinct and yet important races in this life. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beat in the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, 
lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Please join me in prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word incarnate Christ Jesus, who though being God, came to earth and became one of us, lived a perfect life in our place that we could not live, died a death on a cross as a perfect sacrifice, the death that we deserved, so that we could even come to you this morning in prayer. Father, we know we only come into your presence through the shed blood and the righteousness of Christ Jesus, poured out for us freely and yet with great cost. And so, Father, our aim this morning is to worship him. We thank you for the incarnate word. Father, we thank you this morning for the written word of God. We thank you, God, that your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Father, we thank you that your word searches our hearts. It's a two-edged sword. It does spiritual surgery that we need to have. So, Father, this morning I pray that your spirit would move among us as we focus upon your word. As we focus upon what Paul has to say to us through the ages that you would use to conform us more to the image of Christ. Father, I pray that I would not be a distraction from your word, that I would point us to Christ Jesus. We pray this for your glory and for our joy in Christ's name. Amen. Apostle Paul says, do, not, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but you an imperishable one. Paul here is writing to a city and writing to believers in a city that observed a race that was called the Isthmian races or the Isthmian games. Well, why was it called that? I'm so glad you asked that question. It, Corinth was on an isthmus. And say that word five times, it's a difficult word to say. On an isthmus. Well, what is that? Well, that's a strip of land that's between two bodies of water. And what would happen in Corinth is they actually cut down trees, they made logs, and they would take the ships over land. And while they were taking the ships over land, the sailors would be in Corinth, and they would be doing what sailors do in a city when they're not on the ship. And so you had a lot of temple prostitution in Corinth. You had a lot of uh, debauchery in Corinth. You had a lot of things going on that didn't honor God in Corinth. But you also had in Corinth, because it's such a huge trade city, these games. They were part of the Pan-Hellenic Games, four games that were second only to the Olympics. And so you would have these runners that would come into a stadium, and they would run a race in Corinth, and one of those runners would get the crown. What Paul is telling this, us this, this morning is that this race was not like upward basketball, where every child is a winner. In this race, and I'm not criticizing upward, I'm just saying, you're not all going to get a trophy in this race. Only one's going to get the trophy. And that's the person who does what? Talk to me, church. Wins. Second place is just first loser in this race. You know what I'm talking about. 
I mean, I'm a competitive person. I can understand this. And so they're all looking and they're going, yeah, we understand, Paul. You're writing to a church that understands what this race looks like and understands that the victor, there's only one of them, and it's the one who trains the hardest and runs the fastest. It is very competitive to the point that if you were going to enter into this race as an athlete, you had to sign an oath. And that oath said, I'm only going to eat certain food. I'm going to discipline myself to train on a regular basis. And I'm going to treat this seriously. I'm going to commit my life for a year to prepare for this race. And literally, your whole diet changes. Your pattern of activity changes. The things that you do changes. Your priority is to win the race. And when you win this race, listen to me, church, you get this crown. And I want to talk to you about what this crown is like. There are two options here. One option is this crown is made of pine needles. And so they take these pine needles and they they weave them together and they put them on your head once you win this race. Or another option in this crown is made of celery. And so you've got all this celery that's woven together. And once you've done all this work and you've beat your body to submission and you win this race, you get a crown of celery. I hate celery. I've tried to like celery. I was a kid when I was in elementary school. They'd have celery and they'd have the peanut butter on it and they'd have the little raisins on it. You know, the ants on the trail. You know what I'm talking about, moms, right? And I was like, those were the cool kids. They had the celery. I tried to like celery. I ate the celery. I put the peanut butter on the celery, but I still hate celery. But if I won that race, guess what? That's the crown I would get. Christmas is coming up. I think we have like eight Saturdays now uh, till Christmas. What happens if you, how many of you guys have live Christmas trees? You can raise your hand in a Baptist church. How many of you have live Christmas trees? Okay, all two of you. All right, I see you. So what happens when you have a live Christmas tree after you're done with the season? What happens to those pine needles? They just start falling off. They get dry, right? Think about this. So one option is the crown is made of pine needles. So you have spent your whole year controlling your diet. You spent your whole year controlling your exercise regimen. And what you get is this pine needle crown. And after a few days, what happens to it? It just falls apart. Or maybe it's the celery. (laughs) That's even better, right? They put that crown on your head, and after a few weeks, that celery's all wilted and nasty, and you're just like, I'm not keeping that around. I'm throwing that in the trash. Paul's giving us a very powerful picture here about one race. And some of us are running that race this morning. We're running so hard about after things that we think are going to bring us fulfillment. We're running so hard about after things that we think that are going to bring us happiness. We're running so hard after things that we think are going to bring us satisfaction. And in the end, it's just like pine needles and celery. It just falls apart in our hands and perishes. 
If it was not so tragic, it would be funny. That you see these athletes that commit a whole year of their life to pine noodles and celery. So what are you running after this morning? Are you running after a career? Are you running after happiness and joy on this earth that's elusive? It keeps running away from you. You never can catch it because the earth can't provide it. Are you running after a 401k? Are you running after things? Things that you don't have that you wish you did. Are you running after popularity? Are you running after family? Are you running after religion or power in the church? Are you running after pornography? Are you running after alcohol? Are you running after prescription or illicit drugs? What are you running after this morning? Is it a race that ends in something that just goes away and perishes? The Bible says that if that's our focus, not only will the things that we're running after perish, but so will we. You see, the end of this race, this first race that Paul describes, is one that ends in eternal perishing, eternal torment. And the sad truth of the end of this race is that this thing that we thought was going to bring us fulfillment actually brings us death. And church, I want to tell you, Satan is a father of lies. He seeks to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he will make some of these things look so good. And yet when we find them, and if we do catch them, they're just an empty shell. And they leave us empty and lonely and in despair. Blaise Pascal says, all of us have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only God can fill. And until we meet him, we will keep running after something that's going to fill that void, and it will never fill it. What are you running after this morning? The first race is a race after something that perishes. But he gives us a second race, does he not? Look back at the passage. He says one race is for a crown that is a perishable wreath. But the next one is what? A crown that is imperishable. And Paul is alluding to a race, a race that we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let me read that for you. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. You see, this race that Paul describes is a race after the pursuit of Christ Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews gives us a picture of this great stadium. And he write, this is chapter 12 and chapter 11. He gives a picture of all of these saints, all of these people of faith who are sitting in the stands and actually they're standing and they're cheering on the runners. They're cheering on Christ followers 
who are running hard after Jesus Christ. And the writer, he mentions this crowd because he says, listen, let this be an encouragement to you to fix your eyes on Christ and run and don't allow the things of this world to trip you up. Don't allow sin to trip you up, but fix your eyes on Christ and run hard. Why? Because this race does not end with a perishable crown. This race isn't about pine needles and celery. The end of this race ends at the face of Christ Jesus. Let me be very clear, church family. We are not running hard in this race after heaven. Heaven would not be heaven without Christ Jesus. We are running hard in this race after Christ. And this, get, this race begins with Christ, and it ends with Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about in this Philippians, does he not? He says, forgetting what is behind and looking forward to what is ahead, I run toward the prize. I press on towards the prize. And he tells us later, what is that prize? That prize is knowing Christ. That prize is, is knowing Christ as we are known. That should, that should jog something in your mind. That when we see Christ, the Bible says, we will know him as we are what? Fully known. Why would that knowing Christ be so important? Because that's eternal life. You don't believe me? Look at John 17, 3. Jesus defines what eternal life is, and he says this. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, your son, whom you've sent. Eternal life is in heaven. Eternal life is knowing Christ Jesus in a personal relationship. And what this race is about is a chase after Jesus. It's us running hard after Jesus Christ. Now, guys, I got to tell you, you can't look at me and you, would, you can't look at me and think, well, this guy was at one time a runner. But believe it or not, uh, when I was in the army, I ran two miles in 10 minutes. If I tried to do that right now, I think that pace would last about 30 seconds before I had someone calling an ambulance. You know what I'm saying? But when we're running hard, we're running fast. It takes a lot of discipline and training to do that, does it not? But we're chasing after Christ. We're not chasing after something that perishes. We're chasing after knowing him. And as we run this race, the further down the, the course we go, the more and more we know him, the more and more we're becoming like him. And it's not an elusive race. It's not a race where it keeps moving. You ever felt like the finish line was always moving? You know, I get on an elliptical. We had homecoming this weekend. And in homecoming at Anderson University, we have all these barbecue vendors. I got chose to be a judge. Y'all know where this is going. I got chosen to be a judge to judge the side items and desserts on Friday night. You want to get a Baptist preacher's attention. You let him know he's going to judge food. You know what I'm talking about? And so what I did in preparation for that is on Friday afternoon, I got on the elliptical and I did eight miles on the elliptical. 
It still didn't help. I gained three pounds overnight. But when I'm on the elliptical, it seems like the, the goal's elusive. I'm never going to catch it. It's like that carrot dangling out in front of you. And you feel like a, you know, I had hamsters when I was growing up. I feel like I'm the hamster on that wheel. Never can catch it. That's not the race for Christ. The race for Christ begins and ends with eternal life. Knowing Him. I enter into eternal life when I, when I come to Christ through repentance and faith. When I turn from my sin and I turn from myself and I trust Him and who He is and what He did on the cross for me to save me from my sins and I give Him control of my life. Listen, in the army, this was the most intimidating posture, but this is a posture of victory for the Christ follower. It's a posture of surrender. If I surrender to an enemy, it'd be scary. But I'm surrendering to the one who created me and who loves me and who has perfect plans. That's the other race. And that race ends in a crown that doesn't perish. But watch this, church family. It's not a crown that's mine. I bring nothing to Jesus but my sin is a crown of righteousness and glory that is His. And when I give my life to Christ, and when I turn from my sin, and when I trust Him and I give Him control of my life, He gives me His righteousness. He gives me His forgiveness. So that when God looks at me, He doesn't see my sin, but He sees the righteousness of His Son. It is a crown of righteousness and glory, but it's not a glory for me. It's a glory that points to Him because of who he is and what he's done. And it's not a crown that when I reach the end of my end of my journey that I'm going to wear proudly. It's a crown that I'm going to take off. And where am I going to put it, church family? At his feet. That's the second race. It's a race that's hard after Jesus and Paul Paul gets the importance of this. He says this. He says, "So I do not run verse Verse 26, he says, So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And so he says, I don't run this race aimlessly. He says, I'm focusing upon the finish. I'm focusing upon eternity. I'm focusing upon Christ as I'm running. I'm not running looking behind. I'm not going forward looking to my rearview mirror. I'm looking towards Christ. I wonder, church family, if we ran the race rather than looking on earth, but we had a heavenly mindset, whether that would change how we run. I wonder if the problems that we think that we have on earth would become a little smaller if we had a heavenly mindset as we're running this race. Richard Baxter was a man who was dying. And he wrote a book called The Saints Everlasting Rest. And in that book, he talked about the fact that as he was dying, that, he, that God impressed upon him that he must have a heavenly mindset because that's his home. This is, he knew this was not his home. He's just a pilgrim passing through. And so Baxter was running that race, focusing upon eternity, focusing upon seeing Christ Jesus. And it changed how he lived. It changed how he preached the Puritan said he preached as a dying man to, to dying men. What a beautiful picture of what our priorities should look like. But if we're going to run the race successfully, we have to look at the finish line. 
When I was running the army, the thing that motivated me, I knew there was an end to the race. I knew that this two miles was eventually going to be over. And so I'd count the laps. And as I got closer and closer, I didn't slow down, people. I sped up. Now that's going to preach a little bit. Some of you might be slowing down in the race. But as you get closer to the finish line, you don't need to slow down. What do you need to do? Speed up. Even take a keener focus upon Jesus. Paul says, listen, I don't run aimlessly. I run focusing upon eternity. And that changes how I run. But next he says, you know what? I don't run like someone who's boxing the air. I run like someone who is in a fight. And I discipline my body and I have a sparring match. So... I was going to get Jeremy to do this, but he's in Sunday school, so I'm going to ask my son Noah to come up here. I'm going to show you what this looks like. So when you're boxing the air, you're just kind of hitting around. And uh, I try to beat up Noah on a regular basis every week. I do. Uh, What you don't know is I'm a karate instructor. Noah's also a black belt in karate. And this karate school is called a dojo. It's like a, a place that you learn, you know, how to do martial arts. And so we have this thing called dojo punching. And at a dojo punch, you're not even punching for the face. You're punching like past the person. So if he's doing a straight punch and he does a dojo punch, it looks like that. Does that make sense? He's going by my face. Now, that's very intimidating and scary, isn't it? Do it again. Wow, I am scared to death. It's not even coming near my face. That's what Paul means by punching the air. Now, we're not going to do a fast punch here because he's fast and I might actually get a bloody nose and that would not be good for my first time preaching here, right? But if we do a regular punch, he's coming at my face, right? Thanks. So when we're, when we're in this fight, we're not boxing the air dojo punching. This is a real battle. Lives are at stake here. Your life's at stake. There are eternal consequences for not getting this right. Are you going to dojo punch through this race? Are you going to fake it and just go through the motions? Are you going to act like, you know, it's just something that's not, and maybe it's for the missionaries over there, but, you know, there's no danger here. Paul says, you know what? I don't run this race. I don't do this like someone who's punching the air aimlessly. I treat this for the fight that it is. It is a fight for my soul. Now look back at what he says at the end there. He says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest listen, after preaching to others, I myself am not what? Disqualified. Now this doesn't mean he thinks he can lose his salvation. No. What this means is this means he may be in a race where he never had it. You know, the Bible talks about there being wheat and the tares in the church. You remember that parable Jesus talked about? They both look the same, and yet we don't know which one it is until what? The harvest comes. And then the tares are set aside for destruction, and the wheat is kept. I want to ask you this morning. Are you disciplining yourself to run the race for the fight that it is? What are some ways that you can do that? Are you spending time in God's Word? 
Because it's, his word is his love letter to us. It helps us to know who he is, who we are, and how he wants us to live and run. That's one way that you can run the race in a way that's not just beating the air. Spending time in God's word. Spending time communicating with him. You know how often the Bible says we should do that? All the time. Pray without what? Ceasing. Now, if you're driving, please keep your eyes open, right? But be in prayer. Constantly be talking to God. And not just talking to God, but you know what? Listening. What does he have to say to me? What does he have to say through his word? What does he have to say through what's preached? What does he have to say through what's taught in a Sunday school class? That's listening for what God has for you. Another way that you can run this race and discipline yourself is share the joy and the hope of the Christ that you follow. Share the gospel. It's good news. Share that gospel of victory with other people. That's the way that you run the race. But I want to ask you this morning, what race are you running? You're running a race for pine needles and celery? Are you chasing hard after Jesus Christ? Have you come to a point in your life where you've turned from yourself and your sin and trusted him? Have you come to a point in your life where you've given him control of your life as Lord? You can't have him as Savior and not have him as Lord. He demands both. Are you a Christ follower who would say, you know what, I've slowed down the pace. I think I'm dojo punching right now and I need to refocus. I need to refocus on the finish line. I really refocus on Christ and recommit my, my race in this run. What's God calling you to do this morning? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the word that you've shared with us. God, I thank you for the joy that we have in running this race. And Father, I pray if there's one person here who is not in the race, who doesn't know Christ, Father, I pray that they would start running hard after Jesus. Father, that they would simply come to Christ and say, God, I know that I, I'm a sinner. I want to do things that I want to do. I want to have control of my life. And Father, I pray you forgive me. And I trust in Christ that he is God in flesh, that he is your son, that he lived a perfect life in my place that I can't live, and he died a death that I deserve in my place. And I want to trust him for forgiveness and life. And out of gratefulness and love for what he's done for me on the cross, God, I want to give him control of my life. I want to be Lord. Whatever he asks me to do, I'll do. Wherever he asks me to go, I'll go. Father, I pray if there's one person here who is a Christ follower who would say, you know what? I haven't been running the race in the way that Paul describes it. I've let other things take first place in my life. I've lost my first love, and I want to recommit my life to Christ Jesus. Father, I pray they would do that this morning. Father, there may be one person here who would say, you know what, I, I look the part. I look like a runner. I look like a boxer. 
But when it comes to the truth and reality, I'm just putting on a show. I'm just faking it. I know a lot about religion, but I don't have a relationship with Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for the first time they give their life to Christ today. Whatever you're calling us to do, I pray that we would respond in a way that honors you and brings you glory for your glory and for our joy in Christ's name.